Welcome back to Hacker Hangouts on a Saturday morning, and there are so many times I want to throw my computer against the wall, and I think Elon Musk is probably, I don't know, do you think he's one of those guys who wants to throw his computer against the wall, like, within the past week? Or do you if think we, this is fully planned? Clearly. If we classify phones as computers, because they are, then yeah, I'll, I'll bet, like, I'll bet Elon Musk breaks a, a phone a week, and he's probably gone through five in the past two weeks. <laughs> Well, do you think he'll throw out everything, the baby and the bathwater, or would it just be the sink? It, it is a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is funny. We were talking about right before a stream of like so many times there is like legitimately reasons. I would maybe not great reasons to throw your computer at the wall. And I want to go into some of the stories that I, at least I've had uh, throughout my career, because I think some of them are career path ones. Other ones are just like technical nonsense that I've hit against recently with CVEs in some of the ridiculous things that have happened. I think when you have so much like weird innovation that happens in technology, it is likely to break things, but there's oftentimes you question this going like, why would anyone make this decision and to break, we'll say everything and make my life clearly difficult because everyone, everything in the entire world is designed to make my life difficult. I don't know. Do you hit, have you hit these things oftentimes in your career where you're just like, all right, I'm not necessarily I'm done with security, but like, why would this happen this way? Uh, I feel like I, I hit them every few, few months. Although I think they're probably much more likely to crop up in bigger corporate environments or like at least the, the job ones, right? The technical ones, those are just a matter of like how stupid was I and for how long uh, before realizing it was me that was the problem, not the children. Um, but yeah, the corporate ones, like when you run up against policies that you just look and you read and you're like, there's no way we're going to get to change that policy, which means my job just got really hard or impossible. I have one of those, which will start us off with General Electric. Again, what a place I learned a lot, like overall a lot but you're at this giant enterprise and it was back when they were like they were building this this idea of a red team and a blue team and then we were on the software security side and we were securing products that had never really been released yet we're working on prototypes we're doing protocol fuzzing but the corporate policy is that you won't install malicious software like peros proxy which was at the time which or burp or zap or any of these things they didn't exist yet you wouldn't install malware What's considered malware? All the tools I actually use in my day-to-day -day life. So every time we wanted to install, like we had to fight tooth and nail to get like local ad local administrator on our system. And those were some of those ones which are like, I feel like the ones I get, those ones don't even frustrate me though. And here's why. I feel for me, when I when it's my fault, like maybe this is like again, as my as my Saturday morning therapists. Uh, I feel like when it's my fault and I'm the one screwing up, like those are the rage inducing, like throw my computer against the wall ones when it's someone else's fault or like it's a corporate policy I need to work through. It's like, it's a sigh, but it's not frustrating. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going through this. Do you, do you get the same thing? Oh, for, for sure. I'll, I'll share one really short story then I'll pass it to Gator, which is this happened last week. Uh, maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, I, I wasted two days of work. Uh, and I have been writing C for 15 years. Like I know the C language very well. And I wrote a for loop 
in wrong. I wrote a for root <laughs> wrong. So normally it's it's like initial condition, condition to stop, condition on each iteration, right? And I wrote initial condition, iteration condition, and then uh, and then uh, the the stop condition. And I spent two days trying to debug a program that I wrote from scratch because I switched these things. And when I when I found it, I was I was ready to just rip my my keyboard off and throw it against the wall and walk away. I was like, I just wasted so much time on something so stupid. Yeah, that happened to me recently. You, did I, that come from switching languages too much, where you're going from like C to Rust to C sharp, or like or Java, where you're where the order no, changes? No, it was just a brain fart. It was just a brain fart, which is the worst, which is the absolute worst. Anyway, go ahead, Gator. On, on my side of the house has been more of like the policy side on saying, okay, we're going to implement XYZ. And okay, if you're wanting to be able to take something from a certain classification and bring it to another, uh, making sure that other folks can go through and see it. Or if you've got uh, trade secrets and this is now being shared with a partner, the process of, oh, we got to make sure to go from high to low and finding out that it was a lot of bullshit. Uh, it was a, hey, let's do a freaking word search. Does it have any of these words? Oh, cool. Yeah. It's good to go. Ship it. And I'm like, you've got to be. This is the process. No, I can't do it. Let me out. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Control F secret. Uh, not, not found. <laughs> Ship it. <laughs> This actually comes into something I've been doing recently. So it's funny because I have had these these iterations within work where I go like when I started, it was like it was me and my business partner, two two dudes in a flume log floating around trying to figure things out. So I was doing a ton of technical work. As we've grown, I've shifted into like chief innovation officer where I'm like creating solutions to client problems and then teaching other people how to do them. But we had someone leave, which is awesome. They found something awesome, encouraged them in it. But in, in the same way, like when you tell them, like, go take the job, it's something you've been wanting to do. It's awesome. But at the same time, you're screwing me right now and I love you. But ah, so like I'm now back in a lot of the technical world. And as I've been diving down into it, it always amazes me because you go through this like weird cycle within security uh, and you go, I don't know anything. So I'm going to go with like the solutions I know how to do regex and and cracking passwords. I'm going to do one off and things like this. And then you learn the technology and you learn the automation and you go, wow, I can use all these tools to accomplish all these things. And you, you start relying on the tools And what's funny within like the pen testing realm, you, you shift all the, it, it, you shift almost all the way back to like, yeah, I can still do this by hand better. I'll use cracking passwords as an example. You have all these great dictionaries and rainbow tables and all of that. I will crack more passwords using like simple, stupid masks, like the company name followed by four random characters and then throw that through Hashcat and have that crack. You're crack more that way, which is like manual. Same thing. Like we wanted to look through secrets inside like um, their, their CVN or their, their Git repository. Same thing. It was like, I'm going to grep. I am going to grep through this and find all the secrets. Yeah, there's GitHub repositories, but or I can just use grep secret and find them that way. It mm -hmm. and it ties into this where like the frustration is when you're trying to do something fast. You're like, I'm going to grab a tool. Like, what tool can do this? And you get caught up in the, the the I'm going to find a tool to do this versus like if I just wrote it myself, it'd probably go like a million times faster.
the, the, the job to try and avoid work makes you do so much more work and frustration. My favorite, there's, there's, there's two, uh, what, what can we call these? I guess they're like tales from the pit, uh, the IT pit, if you will. Um, but I, when I was working at a big corporate environment, uh, one, we were trying to sell a software product and we had to figure out a way of doing one of two things. A, enforcing licenses, which is one, one headache entirely. And, and B, trying to detect if our software made it onto the internet uh, through pirate and, you know, was being pirated. How could we figure out who leaked it, right? And so we figured out the second half real easy, right? It's not hard to build a relatively difficult to detect, um, uh, uh, you know, like stamping program or what even a watermark mm. program. It's not not really that hard. The DRM portion, not going to worry about. But when you solve the second one, you at least have the ability to like start giving your software as samples to people in order to, you know, be able to do like marketing. We went, I was responsible for like bringing in some business and being that consultant, right? So I made a bunch of uh, opportunities available and they were like, oh, this is great. Okay, cool. Let's set up a non-disclosure agreements and cool. We got that in place. And then they wanted to solve the DRM problem before we gave them samples. And this was amazing because it took a year to solve that problem and then it didn't work right in the environment they wanted so we shipped the original watermarked version anyway <laughs> and i was so frustrated by that time they had already saw they already solved the problem that they were having right and like the whole bit of the way through i'm like racking like like imagine just, if i had a golf club i'd be beating the door of, uh, of the the person who's making this decision the whole time and just being let me ship it let me ship it. We're going to lose the sale. Ah, right. Like those are the times I want to throw my computer against the wall because geez, like all I had to do was ship it a year ago. We probably would be, you know, off to the races and have better investment. Right. The, the licensing, how to license something is, Whew. oh gosh, I will it's find this. So when I've been like creating something like the intern, we'll call them products, but it's like, internal tools I've been working on to help make our jobs easier, which clients like, and they're start using them. Writing software as some, like most people are a developer who come into security. So they're used to make, let's make a minimal viable product and then move it in. Coming from like security into coding, I'll tell you right now is like the most miserable experience. Like it's fun, but you're like, okay, I need a, I need to do a database connect. Like, I want to connect into a database. And then you do this. You're like, okay, uh, I need to write the connection. Connection, oh, but I have a username and password. Well, I should put a username and password there. That should be in a secret store. Okay, I am now going to put it in an environment variable and have the environment variable loaded during build time. But that's not as secure as using like a like a secret a secrets manager in AWS. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to put it in Lambda and every time it runs, I'm going to have it go and get the secret at runtime and have that go. But I need to optimize that. So I'm going to put that in caching. So it's going to do that on every cold start. It's going to hold on to it and then it's going to run it in memory. In oh, well, in order for that to be really secure, I then have to tie that call into IAM. Oh, well, now I have that going and I am, and you figure out all of this and all of that work was just so you could have a database connection in going from security <laughs> over like anyone else developer would be like, cool, let's write it. Let's get the connection and then start working, starting from security. And that's the part where like 
stepping away from almost anything, like pen testing, whatever it is, when you're in the midst of it, I don't want to step away because I'm, I'm this close. One more minute, one more minute, and I'm going to figure out the bug. It's 4 a.m., one more, just one more minute, 5 a.m. It's one more minute. I'm totally going to get it. It's fine. And then you step away for like 10 minutes, make a cup of coffee. And while you're pouring your cup of coffee or while you're, while you're pulling your espresso shot, whatever you're making, Americano, Ethiopian yoga shop. Okay. Never mind. While you're pulling it, you have this like, oh, that was it. And I don't know about you. Those are the moments where it's like, just walk away. And I go, okay, I need to, like, do you find that with your problems too? If you would have just walked away, you solve it right away. Gator, I'm coming to you. Oh yeah. So uh, learning to actually stop, if you're hitting that brick wall and you keep on hitting that brick wall, learning to disengage before you get frustrated with it, because I'm the same way. So if I'm in the groove, I don't want to move and it's great. But as soon as you hit that wall, you got to set yourself a timer because otherwise you're just going to get frustrated. And if you just got up, walked downstairs, got yourself a cup of coffee, Go get in your car, go get a cup of coffee from someplace else, or just go touch some grass. It's going to help <laughs> disengage <laughs> you a little bit and then come back. Oh, I, uh, I've been, I've been, I've been learning this lesson over and over again recently because I've solved more than a handful share of problems in my sleep in just in the past month. Like I wake up and I'm like, oh, that's how I do that. And then, then I go to my computer and I sit down and I change like five lines of code and then I go back to sleep. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like that, that has happened like five times in the past month. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think like one of the other funny ones is solving problems in your sleep. Like one of the weirdest ones, weirdest habits. Sorry, I'm still like, man, it's been like two months. Still have this cold. Uh, I keep a notepad next to my bed. Actually, my phone is next to my bed. I know you're not supposed to do this. There's a great app called Drafts, which I found where it's like it's legitimately every time you open it, it's a new notepad, and then you close this every time you again every time you open it. So it's great for notes. I can't tell you how many times like I cannot turn my brain off at night. It'd be like midnight, one a.m. I can't fall asleep, and I'm churning through this problem. And the best thing for me is like reach over, dump my brain into the notepad, and then I can actually like get some sleep. But how many times I've like solved the problem like while like while i'm sleeping i wake up and i go like oh that's it have you had that oh yeah like and and just to be clear i'm not talking about like solving a design problem or solving an architecture like i need to shuffle or plug these pieces together no 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 i mean like i'm having a bug and i don't understand why something is breaking and then while i'm dreaming I dream of the specific lines of code I need to change. And then I get up and I go change that code and I go back to sleep. I'm not like, I, I literally dream in code sometimes. Like I'm reviewing I, the code I wrote that day in my head as I'm, dream I am, I, I, I think I've ruined my brain on computer science. Like, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, toss this in there for any of our, our viewers watching. If you have a, a thing you want to share, please put it in the chat. We, we're, we're happy. We want to hear your stories. Gator? To, to your point on uh, yeah, waking up and going and coding it, I just skip one step and sometimes I don't quite make it to bed to where I'm still working on it. And then I wake <laughs> up in my chair at 3 a.m. and like, oh, there it is. And now I can go to bed. This is great. <laughs> oh, I don't think I've ever actually had it where I've fallen asleep at my desk. But I mean, I, I can just... I enlabeled the number of times where I said another five minutes, another five minutes, and then it's gotten to like 4 a.m. And it's like, why, 
why am I still working on this? I think the hard one is when separating for me, like work and I will say work and hobbies come. Mm -hmm. I have those things as the same. I love information security. I love creating tools even more specific. I love like, Oh, this is going to sound so goofy. I love learning new things, whatever it is. It's like one of the things which make me good at my job, but also like when I stumbled across, like I wanted to learn Next.js. So because, and I, the reason I didn't really care about Next.js, I wanted to start working with Firebase within Google and some of the best courses were for Next.js. So I started learning that like those can keep me up late. The things that are remarkably frustrating that happened recently with Next.js was and they came out with a new version. In the moment they came out with a new version, it's a new way of structuring it, which effectively makes every tutorial in the entire world yes. now useless. It happened wow. with React too. Introduced, went from components to get hooks. All of a sudden, like when I was just learning, every tutorial mm -hmm. is just completely useless now. That's awesome. So I would say that has been a frustration of mine as well when it comes to the documentation is not updated yet and there's new features and oh, everybody switch over and then finding out there's not that many people switching over because it's not yet supported or the documentation is not there. So then you're literally creating it or you're experimenting and hitting a lot of walls. And this is where I'd encourage folks to make sure that you're actually blogging your failures too because you could save somebody else time instead of hitting that wall uh, um, because yeah, there's nothing as frustrating as not being able to move forward with the project. The single most frustrating experience on the internet is when you're trying to code something up and you have, you run into one of these problems and, and you do the smart thing before you go bash your head against the wall and like start digging through source code, you just go on a stack overflow and you see who's run into the problem before the most, the single most infuriating thing in the entire world is going to Stack Overflow, finding somebody with the exact problem, and then the first response is them responding with, never mind, I figured it out, with yep. no additional information. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're just like, what did you see? What did you know? <laughs> the moment you started talking about it, my mind got there. I was thinking, like, not only that, but I'm like, how many people have actually done, now that it's, it's it's meme-dom worthy. You know, how many people have just created a complex problem just so they can respond to themselves with, oh, I figured it out. Don't worry. Like, it's, it is like, that one is a hard one because especially when you're like, oh, I, I figured it out. I think we have social media, I think, is added to this. And again, let me get on my soapbox really quick. But like, social media shows your successes. Like, the, we're doing this live so we can make yeah. mistakes all we want. But oh, yeah. within normal video, it's like, cool, cut. Oh, that wasn't the way you're actually supposed to program that. Hold on. I'm going to cut that out. So you show the, it shows the perfect example that within like learning cybersecurity, within learning hacking, like pen, we'll say penetration testing within learning penetration testing. Oh, I just noticed the cameras on you. Speaking of mistakes is uh, when you're learning penetration testing, it's all about failing and failing better and failing very fast. You come across, I yes. want to get into the server. I can't do it. I'm, this isn't working. This isn't working. I'm going to move on to try this. Okay. This isn't working. Ah, there we go. This, this is how I'm getting in. Credential stuffing is the way this exploit is the way I can't get this to compile and you fail better, but none of that's shown in any video for security, which is so sad because that is like, that's the core of what you're learning how to do is when to give up on this 
attempt you're doing and when to move on to try something else. It's not unique to pen testing. Amazing. I'm guessing Gowry has examples of times he's like, this is how I'm programming. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, that's not how that that function within this processor is supposed to work. Yeah. I'm going to go find another solution. It's it's more like oftentimes, I'll say from the development perspective, you learn people don't want to don't want to reinvent the wheel. Right. And this is why there's a billion frameworks out there is because people are like, oh, I'm going to build this framework to do this thing. But then what happens is someone tries to use that framework to do something they want to do. And then they find oh, it's just not quite the way I need it to be. So I'm going to write my own framework. Right. And that's how these frameworks just multiply. Um, but uh, there, there's actually a good reason to do that sometimes. For example, uh, a recent project I was working on, we wanted to intercept uh, system calls. There's already like 40 different ways to do this. But the problem is they all vary in terms of uh, performance overhead and, um, and uh, reliability. You know, the more you interpose on something, the slower it gets. And uh, the less you do, the, the faster it goes, but the more reliable the method it is. And I guess we were beating our heads against this one framework for like four weeks. And I went, hold on, I'm just going to do a sweep of all of the things out there and determine whether or not there's something that does what we actually want to do, as opposed to try and, you know, put a, a square peg in a round hole. Right. And, and when you when you learn to do that faster, you get rid of way more headaches. Right. When you learn to do that sweep of everything out there before you choose a solution, it gets really frustrating when you show up to a project and they've chosen a solution and they're like a year into developing on top of it. When you go, you guys know there's this thing over here that's way better. Right. Like that's I, I think that's something you learn to do. Uh, very efficiently in like graduate programs, whether for a master's or uh, a PhD, because you learn to do an assessment of the whole field before you do research. <laughs> right. um, but it's also like you can spend two years doing that and not actually produce anything useful, right? So it's a balance between the two. And both definitely have computer throwing headaches associated with them. I think with what about with la uh, your latest projects? Have you come across something? Because I know Gator, you said with some you said something right before stream talking about that. What do you say? You said something which didn't make any sense to me. That servers are like toast or something, and that makes zero sense to me. Uh, finding out when you need to throw something out because it's a piece of crap, and you wasting oh, your time trying to fix it because it's cables deep, it's bad hardware. I can't tell you how many hours of my life, how many days of my life I will not get back because of certain pieces of hardware. Not that I'm shaking it in my hand or naming any brands because um, <laughs> naming any brands as it's on screen, <laughs> right? Um, finding out when you need to cut things off and treat it like cattle, not a pet and throw the crap away because if it's just causing you headache, doesn't matter how much you want that software to work or that OS to work or whatever else get a better tool because dude, <sighs> this is literally cables. my doorstop. It is that worthless. <laughs> wow. <laughs> how many, how many things in your life have been solved by you eventually going, has anyone checked the network cable? Oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, uh, go back to your, <laughs> go back to your you cabling. Your God. Yeah. The like, are, are you like the, <laughs> uh, that's, that's one of the most rage inducing ones. I will say <laughs> by far. <laughs> 
by yep. far. Like everything else is working. Why is my connection unstable? <laughs> and then someone goes along and says, have you checked the ethernet cable is if it's bad and you unplug it, replace it and everything just snaps together. And you're like, you feel oh. relief that it worked and infuriation that you didn't come up with this idea three days ago. Nope. I, I've never, <laughs> I never until about a year ago had a, a cable go bad. Like an ethernet cable randomly went bad. It wasn't one I just plugged in. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. like, Oh, this just plugged in. It just went bad for any number right. of reasons. Now, it could have been when I was shifting another, like a server or a device, and then that. It just went bad. Like, and it was in, it was an, oh gosh, like, and it was for my DNS. It hooked up oh, to my no. DNS. So, like, legitimately, all my DNS just stopped working. So I was like, oh, okay, like, maybe the DNS server went down because I have some, like, wonky routing because I want to do, like, a DNS over HTTPS. So like, I'm like, oh, okay. So like maybe that, maybe that Docker image is down. Maybe this Docker image, it was a physical lawyer. And it was like, just like the physical issues. I know like we know we, the OSI model, we go, hold on. Let me go to one Oh one. Like we know it should start on the physical layer, but like I had this today, my thermostat legitimately just didn't was, was off. It didn't, it wasn't even powered on. And it was when I had plumbing work done yesterday yeah, I had water in the house. It's awesome. Oh, no. So awesome. But like, so what they did is I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, wow, maybe when they were like desoldering and solder or whatever, when they're, they were, when they were removing the copper pipe and maybe when they were pulling that off, like maybe it heated up to like heat up the wire. So I'm like going through all these possibilities in my head. Maybe like they melted a wire or something like that. No, legitimately there's a power switch on my th my furnace that I didn't even know I had. Like it makes sense that it's there, but I've never had to switch it on. We've been in this house nine years. He turned the power. He he flicked the power switch. Why? I don't know. But he turned it off. And sure enough, I'm like trying to like trace this wire back. I chase the wire all the way back to the switch, and I'm looking at the switch, going, okay. And I put my flashlight on it. And it's like off. I'm like. <laughs> Okay, cool. That was an hour of my life I'd like to get back. I learned this when I bought this. Uh, this is our first house. When I bought this house, I took like two days to just comb the whole house for all of that stuff. And that was the day. Those were the days that I realized that a house is like a spaceship. Like it has its own because it, it like it's got its own internal infrastructure that you have to maintain. You want to know where the pipes go. You want to know where the wires go. You want to know where the studs are. You want to it's like a spaceship in its complexity. And and I'm just like I, I looked I that those in those two days, I changed my perspective of what it means to be someone who builds a house and what building oh. codes mean immediately because I'm like. <laughs> the the amount of like uh attention to detail that goes into laying out some of these systems both in wiring and uh and piping it's just like it's it's amazing now i just look at houses as spaceships i mean so not, minus then when you, i was gonna say minus when you have a bad contractor and you're like that's not supposed to be there like this example of this wire like why is the plumbing ran right next to the white? That's not supposed to be there at all. Well, I can't fix it now because it's like 10 feet that way inside my ceiling. So it's good. It's fine. <laughs> so uh, first time homeowner here as well, rented for many years. And previously we've talked about how I used to be in construction, flipping countertops, cabinets, bathrooms. So I've seen 
a crap ton of things that when you remove demo the old stuff and then put in the new always making sure okay it's up to code things are 16 on center for the studs we we do this the right way then when you get to your own house and you try to do simple things like find out what breaker is connected to which electrical outlet and one breaker is supporting half of the house in many weird corners and having to draw the diagram and map of saying oh we we want to put some like some lights above the the kitchen cabinets because you know accent lighting that would be cool oh which one do we have to use oh it's it's not the west side uh, kitchen oh, no 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 yes. it's the north side of the kitchen because that makes sense when it's spread to four other corners of the house. It was, uh, I'll, so yeah, spaceship is a good good way to explain it, Gallery. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring this back to a question though. Oftentimes within security, within, within cybersecurity, information security, what we end up doing is we end up being very good judges of, ju judges, interpreters, consultants for other people's stuff. Like oftentimes though, we suck at it for our own. Like, these are all the standards I expect you to keep for your stuff, but I don't have the time to run it on mine. Do you find that with the, within your projects, you do the same thing where it's like, okay, here's, here's all the steps you should take. Here's all the documentation. Here's all the policy you should keep, but you don't do any of that for your own stuff. So that has changed for me over time to where I'm making sure I'm actually practicing it or I'm not going to recommend it because if you're talking like for industry, Okay, that's at a different scale. If you're talking about somebody doing a home lab to either learn or get into the industry, that's another deal. Finding that fine line of people who want to be more secure or want to be able to have something to experiment with, uh, tailoring it to that and saying, here's what I'm actually doing in my lab. So yeah, that's it, it helps to be able to say, I'm actually running this and have been running it this way for the last year and a half. I'm experimenting with others, this other piece of software I like some aspects of it, but you know, honestly, I think I'm going to roll back to using this instead because I like either the interface, the reporting, or just the ease of use comparatively to other tools. I think the other weird frustration, I'll shift, uh, shift to another one, which is CVEs. Recently, like there's certain things, I think that's the one, another one which I have a massive frustration at times is CVEs, I grew up trusting CVEs. Oh, this is a CVE. It's a critical risk. It must be a critical risk. And then as I've been, again, JavaScript is just a mess. Like we, I think we can all agree. I like JavaScript. I like TypeScript, but my gosh, is it a mess? I mean, all of a sudden I push my project up and I start turning on Dependabot. So it's flagging all these vulnerabilities. And one of them like caught my eye. It's cross-site scripting. It's like, oh, it's in the OWASP top 10. I should be nervous about this. And it's within a, a, a quill.js, which legitimately, if you have ever seen a rich text editor online, it's this one. All of Facebook used quill.js. Like tons of stuff used quill.js. Now some of them are moving off of it. But as I've been looking at it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at the vulnerability. It was linked over, you know, CVE over to the GitHub issue. Start reading through the GitHub issue. And it is equivalent to... If I change, if I right click on my browser, go into the source code and insert an alert one, it will yeah. pop. It's like, yeah, you're just, you're editing your own code. Like effectively they're saying, if you use the rich text editor, put data, data in your database, and then you use the rich text editor to pull it out or encode it, you're good. But if someone is able to raw right into your database, 
you can cause when it comes into your editor to pop. It's like, yeah, but like that has nothing to do with the tool. Like in, in some ways I get it. There's protections that could be built in there, but this is like, this is a critical vulnerability or a high severity risk vulnerability that affects like half the internet. And it was created by one guy creating the issue on there, writing a blog post and shooting it off and them honoring a CVE. Never in my life have I lost more respect for all, all of it. But I had this, I had this moment of clarity going, which is bad because it's been like, I've been in this industry as a consultant for a long time, handing out critical egregious vulnerabilities, high risk vulnerabilities. And if I would hand this one out saying, Oh, you're, you're running this package. It's critical. There's zero fix for it. There is no, it's right. not, it's not a zero day. Yeah. The developer themselves is like, yeah, this isn't something we're going to fix. That's and it's not gonna, a bug. It's a feature. It's not a bug. Right. It's a yep. feature, but there's now a CVE attached to it and there's no, it's just there. You have a high risk vulnerability, which puts you in violation of every one of your policies because you need to fix that vulnerability. Like I, in I, some ways, this is the security <laughs> industry where I'm like, wow, like, why do we do this? Like, oh yep. goodness. I, I, it I, reminds me of, you know, working in a, a big corporate structure uh, when we were building a sandbox program, either to, to do vulnerability research or to, to do malware analysis. And in order to test the sandbox it, in the, the malware analysis uh, perspective, you needed to be able to launch it somewhere and then throw malware into it, right? Well, in, in the startup world, if you were a small startup and you wanted to do this, this is easy. Buy a couple of boxes, plug it in the internet. You don't really care what happens to this box. You're going to blow it away anyway later. So plug it in the internet, make sure it's separate from your network and have at it, Hoss, right? In the corporate world, <laughs> you run into all of these policies that prevents you from plugging that box into anything, right? Because you're like, well, what if I just have this separate line that I buy for my company that I they, that I bring into the building? Well, no, that becomes a corporate network now, and you're not allowed to put malware on a corporate network. <laughs> and we're like, well, fine, I'll rent the instance in AWS and run the software there. I was like, no, our agreement with AWS says that we won't do anything quote unquote malicious, and we and now the lawyers get involved, and you're like, so I've just built this software that we're trying to market for millions of dollars and I can't test it anywhere. So now you're asking me to go to customers and be like, hey, would you mind testing this for us on your boxes <laughs> to see if it worked? Like the the amount of, the amount of inf like it's, it's almost comical, right? Because you end up in this circular argument uh, situation where the engineers are just like, all I want to do is plug this into the internet and see if it detects a piece of malware. Please, <laughs> please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me how many, like, how perspective differs from small business to large enterprise because in large enterprise, we, we're going to do pen testing. It's within the external environment. Oh, well, we're hitting the terms of conditions. You have to accept all these things in AWS and in small consulting. It's like, eh, we'll just spin up a new instance. We'll spin up that system. It's probably fine. What's the worst that they can happen? Turn off our AWS instance. Cool. Like you hit like, again, I am not, I'm not suggesting you do these things, but like, it's weird how little perspectives have changed because like when I, when I start doing pen testing. You would, you would test a QA environment or a, a, a dev environment should not be connected to production at all. 
you would run some scanning tools. Like for let's use like one example from like 10 years ago. Uh, it was a queuing system. Every time you put something into the queue, it would shoot an email off to like one of the sales staff to say, Hey, this is now in queue in the development instance. It would still send those emails. So when you hit this endpoint, which is going to create an item and then you start enumerating it and brute forcing it and 55,000 requests later and the inbox is now filled up with 55,000 emails. Now it's great though, because the developer, you know, wanted to make sure that this shouldn't happen. So they set up an SMS connector. So they got an SMS every time a connector happened. 55,000 <laughs> text messages later. Uh, and this was back when like text messaging costed money after a certain amount. Like these were one of those things which like as a junior will say, this was terrifying because they'd call you and go like, what is going on? Why you stop this immediately? You guys are costing us money, blah, blah, blah. But it's interesting because after like 15 years, I've now learned to say not that, you know, Hey, you've, Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. But like, I think the word, like I've seen, I've watched Moana too much with my daughter going, like, yeah. I think the words that you're looking for right now are thank you and you're welcome because I just found a massive vulnerability within your QA environment, within your dev environment, it's hitting your production or there's these issues that happen. And it's, it's interesting because I think it's a perspective change of when I've gotten older or when I've gotten farther in this industry, things that would have been massive screw ups are now kind of like, nope, that's congratulations. Our, our job is done. We're trying to find vulnerabilities. We're trying to find outliers. We're trying to find emerging properties as Gowry says, and we have found them. I mean, I, I'm not sure I have anything to add to that, to be honest. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's interesting to, to where being more seasoned uh, definitely has its perks because uh, I know coming in green is like, hey, we're going to secure all the things, right? Let's do it to policy. We're going we're gonna to follow the letter of the law. We're going to do the entire thing. Yeah. Then you find out that you have to do like risk tolerance and find out you can't secure everything. And you have to like do, uh, you have to understand how your business works to find out where your assets are and what's most important. So I had to learn in previous jobs that, you know, I, the systems weren't the most important thing. Uh, the code that the developers have been doing for the last 10, 20, 30 years was more important than the physical systems that I was supposed to be protecting. So I, learning and then having to work with uh, or other folks on making sure that we've got the policies in place to cover that and saying the risk tolerance is okay because we know we're not going to cover everything. Here's the area that we're going to focus on because we've got limited funding, we've got limited manpower or individuals working, and we can't cover it all. And I wish I would have learned that earlier on. <laughs> I think I can I can sum this up for you, which is that CVEs uh, stands for can't validate everything, silly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a valid point. Yeah, I want like what you're effectively saying is that like at, you start you start in the industry, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, like we are going to fix all the things. And then as you get longer in the industry, you're like, no, we can't fix all the things. We don't really care to fix all the things. We have this like risk balance. I, we've had this conversation, which is along the lines of like, I am so jaded in the information security area. The question is like, is that a good thing? 
Like legitimately, I'm going to ask you, like, <laughs> is that a good thing? Is there something that made us really good at our jobs originally of saying like, here, 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 like we're going to drive, we're going to learn how to fix this. This is the, this is the things where now you're jaded. Like is, is that a bad thing or is that actually like growth there? So my two cents worth on that is that it's growth because you learn that you literally don't have enough hours in the day to secure all the things and you have to be focused in your job. Um, and this, if you understand that, you can also then realize that you're not Superman trying to protect everything. You have to rely on your team to cover other areas that you're not that expert in. So whether that means that it comes to your, your infrastructure team or your validation team or whatever else to make sure, hey, are we in compliance? Are we fitting the needs and are our end customers able to continue their work? I see it as a good thing because you're getting more focused. Not saying that you shouldn't be, uh, uh, let's see, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed walking in because that's going to give you that passion you want to learn. And that's going to get you further into the environment than just saying, eh, I don't care. Just what's going to happen is going to happen. It's, it's a completely different attitude going in. So it's You're the more experience perspective, perspective is what it is. Gallery? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it keeps you from chasing the wrong things, which is is ultimately saves you money. I mean, the, the thing I'll say is like, Typically, you want to keep getting those new bright-eyed, bushy-tailed people in from college and let, letting them run wild, make mistakes, accept their mistakes is just uh, the process of, of teaching a new person as opposed to, uh, you know, rating them poorly, if you will. Um, it's just part of mentorship. And, like, that's – you want to do that because it'll keep you fresh. It'll keep your senior people fresh because they're going to be exposed to some of those problems without having to force them to bash their face against the keyboard the same way they did when they were that age because they're able to provide that perspective. I don't know. The, you know, the I, I will say, though, the, the more senior you get and the more you cut those things out, you run the risk of becoming stale, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's just as bad in some cases. Uh, yep. But yeah, I'm not sure what more I have to add to that. I have a, I have a question, which is maybe maybe this one's maybe a little too personal for the stream. But like, do you find yourself when you're coming across these issues where you're like, you know, where you go ah, like ah, throw it? I want to throw throw it over there. What is it about those things which get you pissed off? I mean, this is more of a personal thing. Everyone is probably going to be different. But do you, for me, like. I find it's when it's my screw up, when it's my screw up, when I'm the, when I'm the person who messed up, I am remarkably angry about those things. If it's anyone else, it's like, yeah, don't, it's part of the learning process. It's part of the, like, it's okay. You're learning. Like the, what, what gets you so angry? At there's, there's definitely one class of problem that I get, uh, irrationally angry over that is not necessarily my problem. And I experienced this about a month, or probably about four, four to six months ago. Um, and that is when certain features of a piece of software in a high reliability system don't work correctly, right? And I'm gonna use Hyper-V as an example. You would expect most features in Hyper-V to be relatively reliable because it's shipped by Microsoft. It's a virtual machine platform. They use it, I presume, on Azure. Like there's all there's all of these reasons why certain features of this thing should work correctly. And I had set up a new development environment and I was doing the smart thing because what I was trying to do was get two layers of of backup. I wanna I wanna have my work on GitHub 
and I want to have uh, a, the local cache, my VM, I want to take snapshots, periodic snapshots. So I have two layers of reliability. Well, I, I failed to push a bunch of stuff up to GitHub and I took checkpoints of my VM and uh, the most work I can lose is like maybe a week, maybe a two, right? Well, I had the VM fail on me and I had to revert back to a checkpoint. And so I clicked to revert back and it reverted back to the original checkpoint and deleted all of the intermediate checkpoints. And I lost like two months worth of work on a, on a personal project. This is the equivalent of accidentally deleting your save file on a video game and just wanting to throw your controller across the machine. I didn't select the checkpoint to revert to. It popped up and said, would you like to revert to a date? And I didn't read that date correctly. And I clicked yes, and it went all the way back to the original checkpoint because that was the most, you know, that was the most. And that that one, I, I not my fault. That one's on Microsoft, and I was so livid because I lost almost two months' work of worth of locally cached work, and then I had to rebuild it, and I had to. So now, like everything's in a Git uh, is in a Git repo that I push at the end of the day because I learned my lesson that one time. But that, like, when you have I'll, I'll call them malformed features in a piece of software that cause you to lose work in, in a way that like the developer didn't think about how users are going to use this and they ship something dangerous type of thing. That gets me furious. Absolutely furious. Oh, losing, losing work that you losing work that you've had done, especially when it was like, We'll say the deep magic. You're like at that 3 a.m. mark where you finish it and you're like after it's done, after it's off your plate, you 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 clear the cache. You clear that part of memory and you're like, I never have to know that again. It's gone. And then you lose that work. That is. Oh, my gosh. That's rough. Yeah. I find that like more and more like as my company has grown, I'm becoming more and more reliant on other people. So. That one's been, it's been a growth thing for me of when it comes off my plate, I expect when it's off my plate, it's onto someone else's. I don't have to worry about it. And then like it sure. goes off to a black hole and then it's like, ah, crap. Like I need to now follow up on that. It's harder with like clients. Yeah. Like you send an email off to a client for a request for information and then you never get it back. So now you mm -hmm. have like, I need to make sure I get that information. Having like the UI UX stuff though, I'm laughing when Gowry mentioned that is, there are so many times where you're like this, this UI, this was a terrible decision on their part. Uh, oh gosh, I've had that snapshot, that moment of that guttural, like the, my stomach just dropped to my, my stomach because you know, technically you just go quiet in your office. And you're like, there's no coming back from this. Like I have lost yeah. this and it's yeah. never coming back. I remember back in college, it was back when true crypt, was a massive, like, big thing for keeping files uh -huh. in and whatnot. Yep. Now it's not used yep. anymore. And I remember having a my container, and it was, I to keep it secret, because, like, again, these are the things you do as an information security professional. You're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, you know, in case someone comes along and wants to steal my laptop, they won't get into that file. But I, I hit it in a dot mp4 file or i think it was an a, uh, avi file and that was my encrypted container obviously it's not gonna be able to play it's just an encrypted container 
And I remember going, why do I have no, I wanted to like install like VS, uh, Visual Studio or whatever, something that needed lots of space. And I'm like, where's all the space on my computer? It's like 1 a.m., why not? Usually the best time to make your best decisions. And I remember going, what's taking all my space on my computer? And go, oh, this stupid video file. What is this? Right click, <laughs> delete. This is too big for your recycling bin. And you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, delete. And I remember clicking it and having that like stomach drop moment going, it's gone. And I'm thinking yep. back to my, my mind going, <laughs> oh, but I can do recovery on it. I can do forensics. Like, nope, it's true crypt. It looks like random data. It's gone. There's no it's header gone. for it. There's nothing in the TOC. Like there's nothing in the table of contents. It's wiped the, in the, it was so galling because I'm like, the data is still on the drive. I didn't wipe it with zeros or whatnot. But it's true crypt. It is random bytes. And if any one of those is wrong, if I did it, ah, oh, just like that feeling of like, it's gone and I'm never getting back. And it was like, it was a ton of information, which I like now I, it doesn't really matter, but it's stuff now where I'm like, oh, it would have been really nice. There's all the scripts I had been working on, like my, my first Python projects and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, you're, you're maybe a little bit of an art, uh, neanderthal where you're like you know i i need to save all was it the the um a data hoarder where you're like i need to save yeah, all yeah. of these old projects because who knows when i'm actually gonna need these things oh that's oh, yeah. going similar yeah, story uh similar story with that on thinking that you lost work and uh early in the it career i was going through and during the night I was going through and upgrading one of our local dentistry offices to a, they're using XP. We got them over to Windows 7, built brand new boxes. They had some special needs that they needed to go through and have for their hardware. So adding serial ports, uh, switching over to USB at the time. But there was a certain point in time to where I did not know very much about Windows Server. And the, the sweet little lady in the front was, uh, she said, look, I'm going to be in in the morning because working through the weekend, working nights as well. Uh, we're, we've got people coming in tomorrow at eight o'clock Monday morning. And if anything goes wrong, I'm going to kill you. I cannot have this down. I will find you. I know where you live. It, it'll be over. So she, she's only like four foot eight, but she struck the cord as like, okay, this has got to be right. Working through the night, we, we've got most of the machines set up. It's fine. Now comes time for the server switch. Unplug the hard drive, and we get ready to go and install the brand new Windows server. I think it was 2008 at the time. And get ready to load it, and the data's gone. <sighs> everything, everything is gone. There is no data. They have tape backup drives. They do a nightly tape backup drive and they take it to a remote location each night. But to reload that data, it's going to put us to noon, not eight o'clock. And that's if I can get a hold of them. My, I, I thought I was going to die first off. So that, that <laughs> stomach dropped to the floor and the guy I was working with, he's like, ah, dude, don't worry about it. Uh, here, here's a funny video. Oh, what? First time I got introduced to uh, Charlie the Unicorn, and I got burned into my brain because there was so oh. much terror going on at that time. And then I stepped back. All right, all right, I watched these three interesting videos. I don't know why. It definitely distracted me, but I still feel my stomach down on the floor. Let me pick it up. 
and I look at the server and all I did is I had unplugged the hard drive. All the data was there. It was just yeah. unplugged. And I'm like, thank God almighty. Just plug it back in. We're back, baby. Let's do this thing. And from there on out, always, always check your cables. <laughs> always check your cables. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it off with this. There's nothing more infuriating than walking up to a whiteboard, picking up a random uh, dry erase marker and going to write something and it's dry <laughs> and it doesn't work because you know at least one other person prior to you has picked up that dry erase marker, attempted to write something, went, put the cap back on and put it back instead of throwing it away. <laughs> that was a choice. There's two different types of people in the world, though. There's one who goes, oh, this marker doesn't work and obliviously just like caps it and puts it there. Another type who throws it out. And then there's the third type who goes, you know what? Someone else should experience what I just experienced. <laughs> Could have put that one right there and then goes and sits back down. I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying they may exist. I'm, you know, asking for a friend. Um, I, there was a, I came across a video, which was something like, oh, what was it? It was like, it, like you know, one of those, like, just like satisfying videos. And all it is, is just like someone popping off, po popping off dry erase and writing and then popping off. And they're all like perfect markers. And then they come across a bad one and throw it out. And I'm like, yeah, that, oh, that there's something there's, some, there's the serotonin. Like, oh, it's so good. There's, there's a remarkable number of frustrating things. I think like going through them though, like it's funny after talking about this for an hour i'm realizing most of the frustrations that we're talking about where you go okay this is galling it's most of them not all of them are like i need to step away as as gator said i need to step away i need 15 minutes alone i need i need to run my hand through some grass i need to get on my office and if you would have taken that 15 minutes the most of that would go away like it seems like that's where we're sitting. Would you agree with that? Good, good piece right, of yeah, advice at this sure. Point. It's hard. To, so I mean, to, to wrap hard. that up, to wrap that up, be lazier. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Best developers I know are the ones who start automating themselves out of whatever they're working with. I again, actually, no, I'll pull it back here, which is you have this category of things that you want to do. This circle of things that you enjoy doing you're passionate about there's that circle of things you 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 actually can make the company money doing like there's the things you love there's the things you're good at and then there's the things that the company can make money out of what you're really looking for is that sweet spot of all all three of them right in the middle you have that thing like this drives me nuts I don't want, like we have these automated tasks that have to happen every single day at, at, at our work, like checking websites and things like that. I put them on a cron job and there's that, there's that level of like, I have now automated this. I've automated myself out. I am now sure lazier. We'll call it, but like, Oh, Three. those are the things. Those are the moments you wait for summing up though. Gator is that is there gallery? Is that where you're ending us on? Yeah. Yeah. Throw throw the throw the uh, the finish to dry erase markers out, please. I'm gonna end on that. <laughs> Gator, uh, stay curious, folks. Uh, make sure to go touch some grass to get away from your screens, including like maybe put your phone in your pocket, so then you're not just at another screen. And uh, make sure to go love your hacker family.
Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for sharing in our frustration. Uh, thank you for watching. And hack on.